You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. Standing, and our rescuers are going to come and help us in a few moments. We'll give our midweek offering unto the Lord, and I want to encourage you to give a great offering unto the Lord. You did last Sunday. This Sunday, you know we're looking for a half-million-dollar offering. Oh, my friends, would you pray about it? Will you pray about it? Be one of those 500 that uh, give $1,000 or more. Now, you know probably, in fact, I know there's some who need to take up the slack for many who can't. And he is for everybody to do everything that they can do this coming Sunday. Maybe you can give 500. Maybe you give 100. Maybe you'd have to give less, and that's what God's put on your heart. But everybody, teenagers, children, everybody, being a part of this great offering this coming Sunday. Well, as you know, we are studying the Ten Commandments as they relate to the family. The Ten Commandments and the home. That's the, the title of this series. And now we come this evening to commandment number four. And folks, as I have studied this commandment, I'm going to have to make a confession to you. We are not going to finish it tonight. And so... Uh, this message is going to last until Sunday morning. I hope you brought your lunch and a blanket. But this message is going to last until Sunday morning. But we're not in any big hurry. We're in a hurry to study the Scripture like it ought to be studied. But look with me, if you will, please, at the fourth commandment. And the title of this message, Take a Break for a Blessing. I started to title it, Give Your Family a Break. But I thought they might interpret that in some other fashion than going to church. Um, <clears throat> so take a break for a blessing. You know, that's what you ought to do. Take a break for a blessing, but there's much more significance in this fourth commandment than many people have ever comprehended, and we're going to study it in detail in these two services. Now look with me, if you will, please. I'm going to begin reading this fourth commandment. It's verse 8 and following in chapter 20 of Exodus. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, as our ushers come, we're going to pray that God would bless this offering. You know what a blessing is? A blessing is a sovereign act of God by which he causes something or someone to supernaturally produce more than is not naturally possible. And so we're asking that God would Allow us to do more than mere humans can do and money to do more than mere money can do. We pray, Lord, bless the missionaries. We're saying, Lord, we're praying that you'll so touch their lives that they'll do more than missionaries can do. And so we're just trusting that God would bless the offering this evening and then bless the invitation time and the report time which follows. Now, Father, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts through this, your word. Lord, we need to hear a word from you this evening. And Father, I pray that somehow you would write across our heart the importance of obeying this fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day 
to keep it holy. Our Father's brother Don Laughlin comes to share in these next few moments. I pray you'd speak to our hearts. As we give our offering this evening, Heavenly Father, oh, bless it, bless it, we pray in Jesus' name. And then, Father, when we come to invitation time, if you have found out in our heart any place where there's disobedience, may we surrender it and confess it. And, Father, may we just simply say, I'll not leave this place till I'm right with you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A few months ago when Laughlin's joined our church, I went home to my wife. I said, we had a tenor join our church today. She said, you've never come home and said, we've had a bass join our church or we've had an alto join our church. Why don't you come home and say, we have a tenor join our church? And I said, well, I just listened to a tape of him singing and I know he's a tenor. I don't know a lot about music, but I know he's a tenor. He is, isn't he? Isn't that what that was? That was a tenor. Thank you, Brother Don. God bless you. I love you, Lord, in the same old-fashioned way. Preacher got up one morning. He said, I'm not going to church. And his wife said, you know, I don't understand you. I don't understand you at all. Why do you want to go to church? He said, well, it's lost something for me. And she said, well, if it's lost something for you, do you imagine that that could happen to others as well? And he said, you know, this week, God's been speaking to me about that very thing. And she said, well, you know, you've got to go into church because you're the pastor of the church and they're expecting you to preach up there and it doesn't make a difference what's happening up there, but it's important, isn't it, for you to search your heart and to determine where your heart is when you come to church. Now, this fourth commandment, as we study it, is going to take on a new meaning to you, I can assure you, if you'll hear what the Spirit of God is saying through the Word of God. And so I want to ask you, if you will, please, to open your Bible to the fourth chapter now, or rather to the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus, and just put your finger down there on the eighth verse and follow along one more time as I read, beginning with verse 8, this fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. And so... The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, earlier I mentioned to you that the message which I'm going to preach on this fourth commandment is going to take two sessions. Now, the message really just has three points, but it's going to take longer than I have this evening for me to preach it. In fact, it may even take longer than I have Sunday morning to finish it because we're going to look, first of all, at a divine Exhortation. We're going to look at this holy exhortation is what I'm going to call it. And then Sunday morning, we're going to be looking at a helpful explanation. And then in the balance of Sunday morning, or perhaps later on, we're going to be looking at a heavenly example. But this evening, look with me, if you will, please, at a holy exhortation. And we're going to look at just one verse, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, I believe I need to be, to be fair with you. And I know that in our Sunday morning, Sunday school hour, 
For 13 weeks, you're studying the Ten Commandments. Now, this series of messages on the Ten Commandments in the home is not going to take 13 weeks. We're going to go right by where you are. But I will say that for some of you who are teachers in our Sunday school, to be able to teach the lesson on the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, you're going to have to make some serious decisions and perhaps some genuine adjustments in your lifestyle between now and the morning when you teach that lesson. Now, that's not an accusation. That is just some information from a pastor whose heart has been probed by this commandment, especially the implications that this commandment has for our home. And we are studying the Ten Commandments and the home. Before this message is over, you'll be able to answer such questions as, what does it mean to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? Or when is the Sabbath day anyway? Does it have to be the last day of the week or can it be the first day of the week? When is the Sabbath day? How long is the Sabbath day? Can I chop it up? Can I do a little bit of it one day, a little bit of it the next day, or a little bit of it the next day? Is it possible for me to chop it up? What does the word Sabbath mean? Does it mean seventh? What does the word Sabbath mean anyway? Is it all right for me to earn my living by working on the Sabbath day? Well, here's a deeper question. Is it all right for me to take off work because I want to worship God on the Sabbath, but to keep other people employed and working for me on that day? Am I really remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy if I take off work but come up to church and do a lot of Bible study and prepare to teach the lesson and all the other things we do on Sunday. Is that remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy? Does God really say I'm supposed to do my work in six days? What if I can get it done in five? Is that all right? What does it mean, six days shalt thou labor? Is that a commandment too? and do all thy work. What does all my work mean? Do I have any responsibility when my relatives show up and say, we're not church people. We don't want to go to church with you this Sunday. What is my responsibility? Do I have a responsibility to a stranger who's come to visit? Am I under obligation from God to apply the principles of the Sabbath in my family, to my children, my sons and daughters, and to other people who work for me. Is it all right with God as long as I worship him and in true, but have people who work for me who don't like to worship God on the Sabbath and they're not even Christians and frankly they don't mind working in any way, they'd rather work that day than some other day. Is that okay? Now, those are some questions which we're going to be answering as we study this passage of Scripture. You say, I wish you wouldn't even raise those questions. Why not? They're questions that have been in the minds of, I would say, every one of us at one time or the other has entertained one of these questions. And are you not the kind of person, Wednesday evening First Southern member and guest, are you not the kind of person who would love to say, my life is lived in complicity with the Ten Commandments? And I remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. So tonight we're going to be looking at the holy exhortation. That's the first point of this message. 
And it's just verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, I want you to look with me at three things briefly in the next few moments. First of all, we have here what I want to call a divine imperative, a divine imperative. And it's summed up for us in this word, remember. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, I want you to look with me at that word remember for just a moment. If you looked at this word in the original language of the Scripture, it would mean far more to you than our English word remember. For when we say, I want you to remember something, we say dig down, way down in the dark treasure trove of your brain and, and see if you can't recall something. Try to remember that. But the Hebrew word that is used here is a rather unusual word because it means literally to cause to loom up on the horizon like a mountain. It's not dig way down and see if you can find. It means cause to loom up before you like a mountain the significance of the Sabbath day and the importance of keeping it holy. A holy exhortation and in it is this divine imperative remember the sabbath day to keep it holy cause it to loom up like a mountain i was with a man one day out visiting and uh, we needed some coins for a parking meter and he dug way down in his uh, pocket and he pulled out a handful of change and in his pocket there was a rock i said you need to get that out of your pocket he said oh no 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 don't 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 touch that rock just a little old bitty crummy rock and I said, uh, why do you hang on to that? He said, oh, that's a special rock to me. He said, I've had that rock for years. I thought he's probably been carrying it around, you know, up here, and it just slid down into his pocket. He said, oh, I've had that rock for years. I said, well, you know, you've got to tell me the story. He said, that rock came from Israel. He told me where in Israel it comes from. I know uh, every time we go to Israel, we go down there, you know, to the Valley of Elah where David killed Goliath and the tourists always pick up stones from the stream. The Israelis truck those stones in there and dump them so people can come in and pick those rocks up and have those smooth stones. Well, he said, this rock, though, is very important. He said, because this comes from a place in Israel where I trusted Jesus as my Savior. And he said, it is a reminder to me that Jesus died on the cross. I don't want to ever forget that Jesus died on the cross. He shed his precious blood for me. And occasionally he says, when I am, I'm just not even thinking about Jesus and I'm not even living like Jesus wants me to live, I'll stick my hand down in my pocket and I'll feel that rock and suddenly I will remember what Jesus did for me. That little bitty rock helps me to remember my conversion, to remember the cross and the cost of my salvation. Well, the Lord God is saying to us something far more significant than that. He is saying, as you move down through these Ten Commandments, we've talked about the importance of first building your home on a firm foundation. You shall have no other gods before me. We've talked about the importance of putting away graven images. Thou shalt not make unto me any graven images. We looked at this business of not taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain and the fact that your life is to show your love and respect for God. But now we come to this fourth commandment and God says, not only am I to be first in your life, but I want you to be reminded of that by the fact that the Sabbath day once 
every seven days looms up before you as a mountain and it is to be set aside as holy unto me. You're to dedicate your life anew to me on the Sabbath day. Now, God does that about a lot of things. I was sharing with the staff at Bible study this morning the fact that that's part of the purpose of the tithe. You know, some people think the only thing that's important about a tithe is that you give 10%, 10% of your increase. Whatever it is that God gives you, you give 10% of that. But did you know that the, for instance, let's take the ordinance of baptism. That would be like saying that the only important thing about baptism is that it be by immersion. Well, that's important. That's what the Bible says, that baptism is immersion. But there are other things that are important about baptism. It has to be the right candidate, somebody's already saved, the right authority, a New Testament church, the right meaning. I've been saved, the Lord's coming to my life, and I've been raised to walk. After having died to the old life, I've been raised to walk in newness of life. See, there are other things about baptism than immersion. Well, there are other things about tithing than it being 10% that make tithing tithing. For instance, did you know that tithing is not really tithing unless it's regular tithing? And I used this illustration. I said, you know, there are people who say, well, I just, I'm just going to give it all out here in a lump and get it out of my head. No, the purpose of the tithe is that it is to be a regular weekly reminder that the Lord is Lord of your resources. You see, that's, a purpose, that's part of the purpose of tithing. Look in the Old Testament, you will discover that it was a way of calling people to worship God, the tithe, calling them so they could hear the word of God. So it's not just that it's a tenth, you see. It's God's way of saying, I want to regularly remind you that I am to be the Lord of your resources. If that wasn't the case, the best thing for you to do is just take 52 days out of the first of every year and go to church for 52 days and say, there, that's over. Now I can do what I want the rest of the year. If it just, you know, just whack it off and lump it out, but it is a regular, a regular observance of the Sabbath. So the first thing that we have here is a divine imperative. It's divine, it comes from God, so it's not just a helpful hint. It is an imperative because everything that God says to us is to be taken seriously. We're not to take it casually and say, well, I might try that and that might work, but in my case, it might not work. This is a divine imperative. We are to remember the Sabbath for you and for me at the close of each week or perhaps the beginning of each week, one-seventh out of every week, one day out of every week, is to loom up like an Atlantis coming up on the horizon of our life, to loom up like a mountain, this divine imperative to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy, the divine imperative. Now look with me, if you will, please, secondly, at the fact that there is here what I want to call a definite intermission a definite intermission. Remember the Sabbath day. Now this word Sabbath and the word day, this Sabbath day is a very important phrase for you and for me. It refers to an intermission, a break. It refers to what musicians would call a rest. The reason this music is good for us to sing and the reason you can sing it like you do and you enjoy hearing it like you do is because you don't hear music all of the time. If you heard music all of the time or had to sing these hymns and could never stop to take your breath, and sometimes, you know, I get excited and it gets about that way, but, but hymns are not written like that. Music is not written like that. Music is written where you have some music and some stops, some rests. Now, this word Sabbath is a word in the Hebrew language, which refers to an intermission, a cessation, a stopping, 
a rest. But not only is just the Sabbath, but it is a day of rest. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You say, well, he probably meant just to take some time to worship God every week. No, he's talking about a 24-hour period. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, because the scripture says, because this, this is patterned after the Lord's example. And we're going to look at the example Sunday morning. For six days, in six days, God created the heaven and the earth. You say, well, a day to the Lord is like a million years. Well, now, if you want to do that, if you want to get a million years of rest, you work six million years solid. But the truth of the matter is, the Bible is even more definitive than that. It says, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And so the reference here for a Sabbath is a 24-hour time period. By the way, as far as the, the Jew was concerned, the day began in the evening and ended the next afternoon. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Could I share with you a, a pastor's dream? I've shared this with several people. I've shared it with our staff. And, and I, I just pray that one day, everything will just fall together just right and we'll be able to do this. And when we do this, we will be observing the Sabbath day like the scripture talks about the Sabbath day. I would love to see the day when we had a fellowship hall so big. Now listen to this that we could all come to Sunday school on Sunday morning, come to church and stay until church is over. All of us stay to eat in some great big fellowship hall, bring it or eat what's cooked for you. Go to the training time after that. Go to a great afternoon worship service where you can invite your friends that go to other churches where they don't preach the Bible. Stay in church that afternoon until about 3.30 and then go home and be with your family in the evening. Some of you folks who live way off, you know, in Timbuktu out here and drive over here, I see y'all say, preacher, that's it, preach. That's the best thing I've heard you say in months. Man, I'm putting in two hours driving to church, and God bless you, you do it because you know it's important. Wouldn't it be great just to come and say, we're going to do it just like the evening and the morning were the first day. Great prayer meeting on Saturday evening. Great time of worship through the morning and noon and early afternoon hours. Time with the family on that evening time, worship time on that Sunday evening. But remember the Sabbath day. The reference is to a 24-hour period. So we have a definite intermission. God, and, and by the way, let me say to you that this means that while you may rest certain times during the week, the Sabbath is to be a day. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So we have, first of all, we have a divine imperative. Secondly, we have a definite intermission. And then finally, I want you to look with me at the fact that we have a dedicated institution. It is to be an institution dedicated unto the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, this word keep in the original language means to guard or protect it. To guard it or protect it. Now, that's interesting because what God is saying that you and I should do is at all costs, we are to guard the holiness of that Sabbath day. We're to guard it. We're to protect it. In our nation, we used to have what we call blue, Sunday blue laws. And it was a way that our nation still had of saying God is God. 
and we're not going to open up shops on Sunday. Well, then it began to be, we're not going to open up certain shops. If you go to South Africa, even today, with all of its problems, you will discover that in order to buy gasoline on Sunday, you have to pay a penalty because they have Sunday closing laws. In fact, they close shops at noon on Saturday, and you can't get into them until Monday morning. It's a way they say, well, we may be wrong in a lot of things, but we're going to remember the Sabbath day. Now, most of them may not keep it holy, but they at least acknowledge the Sabbath day. And could it be that a part of the fact that that of all the nations in Africa is the most productive is that people still there, although a small number, still remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God's bound people who'll do that. It is a dedicated institution. So the word keep there means guard it or to protect it, and the word holy means clean, set aside unto cleanliness. And so he's saying, remember the Sabbath day. Guard it. It is to be set aside so that you might give yourself totally unto God to keep it holy. Now, the Sabbath, the Lord says, is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the reason that God wants us to have a Sabbath is not because God, you know, just... Uh, He's up there just dying for something that he can't get any other way or because he wants to see what kind of gyrations we'll go through to acknowledge that he's God. But the Sabbath is created by God for our benefit. And it is, our, it is to our advantage to let a day loom up out of all the days of the week that we guard, that we protect as holy, that we in, in which we turn our hearts toward God we, we look at our family, we do everything I'm saying here, take a break, give your family a break. We look at our family, we say, now this is a time that is wholly set apart unto the Lord. It is a rest day, but not rest in the sense of, well, all I need to do is nothing. It is, I cease from my work and become involved in thy work, turning my heart to God on that day. But it's made for you. Lady was in the, custom or the habit of going in every evening and tucking her little daughter in, kissing her goodnight, and when she would do it, she would always lie down in bed beside her and uh, uh, just talk with her daughter for a little bit. You know, they'd just visit a little bit, and it just made that little daughter feel so good, you know, mother tuck her in, lie down there on the bed beside her, and they'd visit a little bit about the day and about tomorrow, and if there was anything on her heart that was troubling her, and they'd pray together. And one night, this uh, sweet mother was just so busy. I mean, company was in the house, and she was running here and running there. And uh, she almost forgot. In fact, she said to her daughter, look, you go, you go on to bed, and I'll be by in to tuck you in a little bit. So in a little bit, uh, uh, she passed by her daughter's door, and she thought, I've got to go in there, and I've got to tuck her in. And so she went in, and she, her daughter was there waiting for mom, and she tucked her in. She gave her a little peck on the cheek. She said, darling, you just sleep tight, and we'll see you in the morning. And she said, mother, aren't you going to lie down beside me? And um, she said, uh, Okay, and um, she lay down there just rigid, you know. Come on, hurry up. I've got guests in the kitchen. Okay, here I am laying down. What, how was yesterday? She said, Mother, I, I need you to lie down beside me. And she said, What more can I do? I'm lying down. And she said, I want you to lie down in your heart beside me. Now, I wonder how long it has been since you have rested before God in your heart 
for a 24-hour period. How long has it been? A lot of people here wonder why your health is the way your health is. Some of you wonder why your business is the way your business is. Why what's happening in your family is what's happening in your family. God says, I'm doing this for your benefit. And we, we say, hurry up. You know, Lord, okay, look, I'm doing my Sunday thing. I've driven here. I am here. And we just don't even lie down in our heart before God and say, Lord, I'm here for you. Lord, I'm here to hear from you. I am here to worship you. I don't believe we can comprehend the good it would do to us if we did that. I don't think it would, you could comprehend. I, I was thinking, you know, how do you practically apply this? Here's a guy, for instance, who, uh, let's say he, he has a, a filling station, you know, and maybe his biggest day is on Sunday. What would you say to a guy like that? I, I thought, you know, you can't preach it, Tom, unless you've got some kind of, some kind of practical way of, of working this out. Here's a guy who says, man, I, this thing has to work around the clock 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I thought this afternoon, maybe I could do this. Maybe if I own that, maybe this is what I do. Maybe I would say, uh, put up a big sign on Saturday that says, I want to worship on Sunday, and you could get it 30 cents or 30% off. If you buy up, stock up on Saturday. You can buy it. You can buy it cheaper if you buy it from me on Saturday. You know what? I bought gas on Saturday, but if I passed a sign like that, I think I'd just stop and buy something to help the guy out. If a man said to me, it's because I want to be closed. I want to set aside a day when I'm just at rest. Before God, You say, just relaxed? Well, I'm not talking about resting in that term, I, although that's a part of it. Yeah, relax. Stop. And hear God. We're in such an uptight world. We are wound so tight. We go so fast. We have so many things on our schedule, and the clock is ticking all the time. And friends, I want to tell you something. I don't believe God intended it that way. In fact, I know God didn't intend it that way. For in the very first sentence of a commandment that he goes to great lengths to explain and for which he gives an example, he said, let it loom up in front of you like a rising mountain. You cannot avoid it. Here it comes. It's getting larger on the horizon as I traverse through the week. It's getting closer and closer. Let it loom up before you. Guard that Sabbath day that you might keep it holy. How long has it been since you did that? How long? Why don't you try it this week? And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It is a holy exhortation. Father in heaven, right now, we are coming. We are coming before you, trusting that your Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts. And I want to thank you, Lord God, that you have given us the privilege of meeting here in this place. And Lord, I thank you that on Wednesday night, prior to Sunday, very important Sunday for us, but 
a time when we are to set aside our lives for worship unto you. I pray, Heavenly Father, that the truth of this scripture would weigh on our hearts. Now, Father, we have some tremendously, elaborately constructed rationale for doing all the other stuff we do during a 24-hour period. But, Lord, you have said that out of every seven days, one must loom up before us like a mountain. It is to be the Sabbath day, that, that definite intermission which we are to guard and in which we are to practice holiness unto you. Now, Father, I want to pray that you would bring to this altar people who would say yes to you. Lord, there's some who, who will come, I believe, out of deep conviction and say, I have, I have rationalized it. I've talked about all the good that I do being used for God's work and one thing or the other. I've said, well, in my particular situation, although I have control of it, I, uh, I don't believe I could succeed unless I violated the Sabbath. Oh, Lord, I know that, that this was written even to some people who are slaves and work seven days out of every week. But, Lord, there are people here who do have control over their time and do not remember the Sabbath day. Lord, bring conviction to hearts. And, Father, of course, at invitation time, we always look for people to be saved, people who will say God is worth serving, he is real, I do want to go to heaven when I die but I want his forgiveness and cleansing on earth right now. Oh, Lord, bring them to the altar, I pray in Jesus' name tonight. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, we've come to this invitation time. Our counselors are here at the altar. Some of you already know precisely the decision God's put on your heart to make. Would you do this quickly? Would you be immediately responsive to the voice of the Lord? Not some preacher's voice unless you hear God speaking through it. But the voice of the Lord, that's it. Some people are already making their way forward. You just stand up, make your way to this altar and say, you know, God has spoken to my heart and tonight I want to say yes to him. Amen. God bless you. Many people are coming and I want to encourage you to come right here to this altar. You come right here to this altar and let God deal with the issue in your heart. There are counselors here. You find one of them. They'll talk with you. They'll pray with you before this service is over you can know precisely this fact. You know, everything's right between me and God. Skeet and Evelyn Seaton are kneeling right down here to my left. Let me tell you why they're coming. They're coming because their two children, Marcus and Becky, are deep, deep trouble. Marcus is on his way out of severe problems with drugs. Becky is really having a wrestling match with it, just even being honest about it. And Skeet and Evelyn have come broken tonight to this altar saying, you know, maybe we've been wrong in sort of trying to keep this from our church family because really in a church, when one suffers, all suffer. We just want people to come and kneel with us. We know it's only the power of God that's going to bring deliverance to our children. And we're asking God to reach out. And I see dozens of you coming to the altar. And you just come on and you just kneel around them. Get as close as you can in front, behind, to either side. And you pray with them, dear God. Maybe some of you would say there are people in my family that need to be set free. And, you know, the Bible says that God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Amen. And as dozens of people are kneeling here beside them, you may have your own prayer request, your own need. Could be that you need to come directly to a counselor and say the night, you know, what I need to do is to, well, can I say it this way? I need to get saved. Could be the very thing that you should say tonight. 
In other words, I need to stay in this place until I know for sure that if I died, I'd go to heaven. Now, friend, you can know that in less time than it takes me to tell it. The Bible says all of us have sinned. We've come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But the Bible also says there's a gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If your heart's desire tonight is to receive God's free gift of salvation, I want to encourage you to come visit with one of these counselors who have talked with you, pray with you privately, quietly, and give you some information, speed you on your way, knowing that if you died today, you'd spend your eternity in heaven with the Lord. Wouldn't that be great? So you come, you just stand up where you are, make your way forward, find a counselor and say, look, I want to trust in Jesus tonight. I want to trust in Jesus. It may be crowded at this altar. You may have to wait, make your way around some folks. That's all right. We're talking about your eternal life. Could be that God's spoken to your heart about joining this church. Now, friend, if that's the case, you know what you ought to do? You ought to join it tonight. Obedience is immediate or it's not obedience. The Bible says as we see the short, the soon coming of the Lord, we ought not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So I urge you to come and say, look, as an individual, we're coming as a family. We want to be a part. I want to be a part of this church and what God's doing in this place among these people. Well, I urge you to come. It could be that you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior and you need to follow the Lord's commandment to be baptized. Like you've seen folks baptized tonight, would you just come down here and tell that to a counselor? could be that you have some other prayer need. Will you just come and share your heart, your burden? Others are going with counselors to the counseling room. Why don't you join them right now? With heads bowed and eyes closed, let's just stand together. We're going to sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, as our praise singers lead us. You just come to the altar quickly right now. Tonight, Lord God, have your way in my life. It could be you need to confess that you've been guilty of violating the Sabbath. And dear God, you might want to say, I, I want to be found complying with that. Amen.